0: Before we get into this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, I just want to say thank you for listening. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. You can do it through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or pretty much any other podcast app out there that you might have. And when you subscribe, you'll automatically be able to get our podcast episodes in your feed. And if you like it, we hope you'll share it with other people. So thanks again for listening to this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast.
1: Moving into a spiritual dimension.
2: A
0: sense of wow and
2: wonder.
3: I'm kind of praying about what I'm supposed to do with my life. All of us are connected in archdiocese.
0: I have no idea what a priest did during the day.
2: We do take into account our Christian and Catholic values.
0: From the Rome of the West, this is the Catholic Gateway Podcast, your audio gateway into the Archdiocese of St. Louis. On each episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, we'll tell the stories about the interesting people, places, and events that make up the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of St. Louis. I'm Gabe Jones. Trusting in the Holy Spirit to guide our words, let's begin. Each spring, the annual Catholic Appeal asks Catholics in nearly 200 parishes across the Archdiocese of St. Louis to make pledges to support programs, organizations, and ministries for people of all faith traditions. Spanning 10 counties and the city of St. Louis, these programs assist the homeless and hungry, provide pro-life resources and support women, children, and families. The appeal funds Catholic education, family counseling programs, and numerous other charitable services. All of the money raised each year through the annual Catholic Appeal is distributed to the various programs, parishes, organizations, and ministries that carry out the important work of the Church. For some of us, those works of the Church may seem distant, or we may feel like they impact other people but not us. We should thank God for his many blessings if we never need to make use of homeless shelters, soup kitchens, or counseling. For some people, these ministries of the church make up the fabric of the normal daily routine of life. But for a special group of people, the works of the church are deeply personal. That's the case with Patrick and Kathy O'Donnell, who have been the ACA chairpersons at St. Matthias, the Apostle Parish, and Lime for about 14 years. Pat is an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion and part of the parish welcoming committee. Kathy, who has been playing the organ for over 50 years, has been the church organist at St. Matthias for about 15 years. When you talk to them, it becomes clear that they're proud of their volunteer work for the ACA, but more proud of the generosity of their
2: parish. Since they've had challenge goals 10 years, we've been over our challenge goal for 10 years now. So, you know, you got a good parish that you're working with, so that makes your job easier.
0: St. Matthias Parish was created in the late 1950s. The school opened in 1960. Today, it's not a large parish. Just under 2,000 parishioners are registered there. And in 2005, St. Matthias School merged with St. Francis of Assisi in Oakville. But the community has remained tight-knit over the years. Pat told me how the community recently rallied to support a parishioner who received a double lung transplant by collecting donations after Mass to help cover medical bills, and the parish hosted a trivia night. Lots of parishes in the Archdiocese of St. Louis are generous, though, which explains why the ACA has for many years in a row exceeded its overall fundraising goal. In 2017, the ACA raised more than $15 million for the first time ever. But regardless of the total raised, places like St. Matthias are special because of people like the O'Donnells, make the parish community stronger. Their parish's success with the annual Catholic Appeal probably has something to do with that sense of community and the very specific strategy employed by Pat and Kathy.
2: We're set up in the back of church, and we collect in the back of church for three weeks. And after that three weeks, then I personally make phone calls to those who haven't been given, but they've given in the past. Mm -hmm. And so when I do that, the, the first two weeks that I do it, I just let the phone ring for three times. And after the third time, I hang up if I don't get a response because I'm looking to get a response. The third week, I'll let it ring four times, and then I will leave a message. And then I also, what I do after that is I pull out the cards that are bigger amounts, and I'll go to those houses personally on the weekend if I have time. And, and just do personal calls on those people.
1: Those people gave and we figure they may not have had a chance to come to church and give because there's things going on during that time of the year. It's it's a busy time of the year with graduations and things. So we always figure that there's people out there who still want to give. So normally, like he said, he goes to their homes and most of the time, I, I would say 95% of the time, the people will say, sure, I'll give what I gave last year or they'll up it, you know. And it's it's been very promising and very uh, rewarding work because people are very generous.
0: And it, it gives you an opportunity to connect with people, right? to encounter gen- people really on a personal right, level.
2: Right, the gentleman that did it before me, his name was Joe Hager, and we were only in the parish for maybe a year, and Joe came up to me one Sunday and he says, have you ever worked for the ACA? And I said, Oh, yeah, when I was 18, I started going out and with my dad, collecting door-to-door, when, because that was years ago. And so I've been doing that since then. And he goes, well, have you ever run it? And I looked at Joe, and I go, no, why would I want to do that? <laughs> he goes, well, maybe you'd want to do it, because Joe's wife had Alzheimer's, and it was getting tougher for him to do it. So I told Joe, I says, I'll talk to my wife. If she'll do it with me, then we'll take it over. Well, that was 13 years ago, and we're already planning on doing it again this year, because it is. It's a rewarding job.
0: Though it's a rewarding job, it's still a volunteer job for the ACA chairs at the 180 parishes of the Archdiocese, and Brian Nebrighi, Executive Director of Stewardship and the Annual Catholic Appeal, knows it requires selfless dedication.
3: The ACA volunteers are in our parishes are just absolutely critical to the success of this appeal. It, it couldn't be what it is without them, and I, I, and I don't just mean the money that is raised. I mean that's surely attributable to their work as well. You know, the world looks at the, the world. The world can't see Christ in His Eucharist. The world can't see Christ in the Church. They they look at the Church and they don't see Christ. They see a collection of human beings who make a lot of mistakes, so they look at the church and they see just another human organization. Our ACA volunteers through this appeal and through the work of the church help to make this invisible body of Christ visible in a way that people can understand. They can't understand our theology about the Eucharist, they can't even understand our theology about the church. They can't understand when the church is always there helping the people in most need wherever they are, across the archdiocese, really across the world, uh, where you find people who, who have a need, you find the church helping them. And because they're doing this work and asking people for, uh, to, to support the appeal from across the diocese, this appeal really reflects our Eucharistic unity. It is a, a reflection of, of the fact that we are one church. We're not just a collection of parishes, each doing their own thing. But we are one church working together to bring Christ to the people of the 11 counties of the Archdiocese of St. Louis.
0: Now if the ACA volunteers are one pillar, if you will, that supports and sustains the ACA, the other pillar is prayer.
3: So whenever we meet with our volunteers for the appeal, the first thing we always ask them to do is to pray. And and it's where we start this appeal. It is the foundation of this appeal. We're always focused on prayer. It's the most important thing that our volunteers can do the most important thing that our Appeal counsel can do, even the most important thing we can do here in the office. We have to do our work well and professionally, sure, but we have to pray too. Archbishop Carlson often reminds me of this. So uh, just recently, in fact, I said, here's where we are with the situation. Instead of giving me a list of suggestions or things to try, the Archbishop says, well, we have to pray harder. And uh, that's where his focus is. And that doesn't mean that I don't have to try the new things or, or, or do the work I need to do, but he always reminds us that prayer is central to what we're doing here, not just with the appeal, but everything we do at the Archdiocese. If you come to our, our volunteer training programs, if you come to anything that we do, we always start with prayer. In fact, if you're listening to this podcast, I'd ask that you say a prayer for the success of the 2018 Annual Catholic Appeal both because we want it to reflect the unity of our church and we want to be able to help as many people as we can.
0: Through the power of prayer, amazing things can happen, as Pat can attest.
2: Well, yeah, I I do approach it with prayer. I I pray like in between calls when I'm making calls, silently in my head before I go to somebody's door, I say, Hail Mary, hoping that they're going to answer the door and be just, and What this year, an interesting thing happened to me. I went to this one gentleman's door, and I was there to get his donation. Well, a lady in a uniform answered the door, and I thought, oh boy, maybe this guy ain't doing well. Well, it ends up, she says, oh, I'll go get him. And so she goes and gets the gentleman, and he comes and he goes, I'm sorry, I wasn't able to do it. He says, he said, sit down, he says, And he goes, I haven't been feeling well, but I'm doing a lot better now. And I says, oh, I says, uh, what was wrong? He says, oh, my heart's giving me trouble. My lung's giving me trouble. He says, but I'm doing better now. He says, let me fill out my card. And he filled out his card, and then we we proceeded to talk. And um, he started saying that his wife died the year before. And he says to me, he goes, I wished I could talk to the lady who helped me pick out the songs the year before. Well, that lady was my wife, Kathy. And I said to him, I says, I think I can help you with that. I says, because that's my wife. And I said, why don't we just call her on your phone? I says, I've got three or four more calls to make. I'll get her on the phone. And when I came home, I said to Kathy, I says, did you, get, did you talk to that gentleman? And how long did you say you talked to him?
1: About a half hour, we discussed songs and, you know, what he liked and what he had for his wife's. And um, I said, you know, I can play all of those. I can keep track of that. I said, I can tell Jonathan in the office, and then we can keep a list of it so that when something happens to you, we'll be all ready to go. And so that's basically what we did. We have it all lined up for him when he's ready to pass. We have everything set for him. And he feels very peaceful now, he said. Thank you very much. He said, that has been a load on my mind for a, a while. And so I said, well, I'm glad I could help you out.
0: So it's not only just about going out and, and asking people to contribute, but really being able to give back to them. Well, yeah, I
2: think sometimes when I go places, the Holy Spirit is guiding me to these places. I really believe that because about three years ago, something similar happened. I went to this gentleman's door, rang the doorbell. I saw him sitting at his dining room table. He comes, he answers the door, and he says, oh, come on in. He says, I'll take care of that. And we got to talking, and I found out that he had just lost his son a month before this. And inside, I'm like feeling, boy, I wish I wasn't even here right now. But then I thought to myself, I said, well, you know what, I said, I want to share something with you. I says, my wife and I lost our daughter when she was 16 when she was in an automobile accident. And um, I says, I got some books at home that really helped me. And if you'd be open to it, I would bring these by. So I brought them by his house and gave them to him. And it was about a year and a half later, he brought the books back at 1030 Mass one day, told me um, the one really helped him and the other one, his wife was really moved by and found help from it. And that's another one of those times where you're going to collect money but it's like the Holy Spirit sent you to this house. You're just picking cards randomly. But I think somebody sometimes guides my hands. I can remember talking to Pat and Kathy O'Donnell
3: years ago when I was first getting to know them. And Pat coming into our office, bringing in some of the donations that he had received. and going through uh, the process that he does with me and, and uh, I was very impressed and I asked him, why do you do all this? What, what is your motivation? And He told me the story of him and his wife and their daughter and I was touched.
1: Well, my daughter was killed in an automobile accident and I was a church organist at the time. Plus, she was very active in church and uh, all of us were. And so everybody in the parish knew us and when it was on the news, everybody knew about it. And so, I talked to the priest, which was Father Pat Ryan, and Father Pat Ryan said to us, we need to do something for these teenagers that are hurting so bad and and been shocked so much by Bridget's death. And he said, "Um, I'm gonna talk to Catholic Charities and see if we can't get counselors there the day of the funeral. And I said, that would be wonderful. I said, because I know a lot of them are really hurting and it's really been a big shock to them. And so the day of the funeral, We had uh, a meal after the mass, after we went to the cemetery. We fed 350 people, and that was just our parishioners coming forward, doing things, and a lot of our friends. And then afterwards, uh, in the middle of the meal, kinda they said, uh, we have a counselor um, over in the rectory basement. If any of you young people would like to come over and talk and kinda get some of it, speak, you know, speak what, how you're hurting and you know um, get some help Um, so there was like 60 60 to 65 girls or boys that came over there and um, afterwards they said to me Mrs. O, we really liked having that do you think we could have a couple more times and I said well let me talk to father and father said oh I'm sure they can I said well I'll tell you what I'll open my house up for it. So we did, we had it twice, two more times in our our home. And my daughter was there, which uh, she was three years older than Bridget. And so she needed it as badly as all the rest of them did. And so they all came together. And they, um, I think they wrote things and they did things together. And I think it helped them heal. They didn't ever get over it. A lot of them told me they took a picture with them when they went away to college. And, uh, you know, she was still a part of their lives, very much so. So, yeah, I think uh, Catholic Charities was wonderful. It was one of the best things that could have happened to a lot of people.
2: We could have never afforded to do something like that on our own. Hire professional counselors to come in and talk to the kids. And so this is just our way of thanking Catholic Charities through working for the annual Catholic Appeal.
3: To me, that's always been one of the most touching stories I've heard about the appeal. Not just because of the actual story itself and the way the church rallied around this family and this community, but the fact that years later, now Pat and Kathy are taking it and they're turning it around and helping the church, serving others, serving their parish, and at the same time, they're serving the larger church. The work that Pat and Kathy do, and that Pat does in particular, going and visiting people. This doesn't just bring in donations. This helps bind people together. This helps make a community. This helps build fellowship and friendship. And this is what uh, this is one of the elements of what we sh- we should be doing and we can do through this appeal and really through everything that we do with the church. The theme of the 2018 New Catholic Appeal is "Tell Your Story." Really, our church is a church. It's all about stories. It's a real story—the story of what Christ, Christ did it, when He was here. You know, stories. I think speak to the heart of people in a way that sometimes the mind can't comprehend. It, it can help us to understand concepts in our heart or have a greater understanding of something, even when our mind can't comprehend it or when we're not ready to hear it. And so, when we tell our story, uh, we can touch people in a way that our 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 intellectual discussions or arguments never can. This is how the church grows, this is how we evangelize people. We, we talk about the stories of our faith, we tell the stories of the saints, we tell the stories about our, our own conversion story, or, or a priest telling a story about his vocation story, or we ask when we get together with a married couple, you say, you know, how often do we ask them, how did you two meet? Uh, how did you get engaged? Tell us a story about your wedding day. We tell stories and that's how we get to know one another and that's how we learn about each other and that's how we learn about uh, truths in the world and that's how we evangelize. And so our church here in the Archdiocese has a great story to tell. Um, It's not just a story of a collection of of humans but it is a story of Christ here working with his people in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, Of Christ loving his people here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis and beyond and so that's why we focused on tell your story we want to tell the story the good news of the church here in the archdiocese of st louis because there's very good news to tell and uh, if you could hear all the stories that i've heard from people who work in our agencies people who work in ministries people who are volunteering people who have experienced the help of the church uh, when people hear those stories they grow in love for the church so we want to tell those stories as best we can and as often as we can and tell them well
0: the 2018 Annual Catholic Appeal officially runs in parishes from April 21st through May 6th, but the campaign is a year-round project. Please prayerfully consider contributing, whether through your parish, by mail, online, or by phone. Visit archstl.org ACA for more information and to watch the inspirational video. Then, just like Pat and Kathy O'Donnell, we encourage you to share your story with your parish, with family and friends, and on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram using hashtag tell your story. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. We always welcome story tips and ideas for the podcast just send them to communications at archstl.org. That's communications at archstl.org. Make sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with what's going on here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Archdiocese of St. Louis. We're on Twitter at ArchSTL is our handle there, at ArchSTL. And we're on Instagram at CatholicSTL. And you should follow the St. Louis Review. They're on Facebook, also Twitter and Instagram under the handle at St. Louis Review. That's St. Louis Review. The Catholic Gateway Podcast is a production of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I'm your host, Gabe Jones. We hope you'll join us again next time here in the Gateway to the West, the Rome of the West, Catholic St. Louis. Next time on the Catholic Gateway Podcast. If you have driven on Highway 70 in St. Louis, just a little north of the arch, no doubt you've seen those two towering steeples rising more than 200 feet in the air, flanking a beautiful Gothic church merely a couple blocks to the west of the highway. This is Most Holy Trinity Catholic Church. And for a small parish community, they've got a lot of heart. And fish. A story about history and fish. Next time on the Catholic Gateway Podcast.